Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the First Intuition Student Podcast. This is the second of our special summer re-release editions, and we've picked an episode back from July 2021, where we explored separating social from work life. Dave, why do we think it's important for people to draw some distinctions between their social and their working time? For me, on a personal note, I find that I will quite easily let the two bleed into each other, which normally means one dominates the other. And quite often for me, it's work that will dominate everything else. So if I don't have clear boundaries, I will end up going home, switching on my laptop, doing some work. One hour turns into five hours. And before I know it, I've missed the kids' bedtime and they haven't seen me at all. And it's fine doing that once or twice because sometimes you have to, but when it happens day after day, week after week, and you realise you haven't seen your kids for a month, you realise there's something wrong in your work-life balance. So having those clear boundaries and understanding where you know work life and, and personal life separate, I think is really good for everyone. Um, you know, I think we, you know, we, we do talk about how it doesn't have to be a linear nine to five. It can work in the way that works best for you. But I, I think it's really important. And right now, you know, as people are listening to this as it's released, I, I'm hopeful that I'm quite successfully separating work life from from personal life because right now I could be abseiling down a cliff into into the sea um, on the island of Madeira. And I know Ben that you're you're currently in Portugal, although you know obviously you're not. Exactly. Exactly. I've, I've got visions of people listening to this episode as they're doing their final hours at work. Maybe you're just about to put on your out of office message. And we really want people to have a break, not feel the pressure of having to log in whilst you're on annual leave to check emails. We all appreciate that from time to time, urgent things come up. And I can't say that I won't have checked my work emails while I have been in Portugal. But we need those clear boundaries. I also think the episode's relevant because we touch on the use of social media and the professional sites such as LinkedIn versus the more social sites for friends and family, Instagram, Facebook and so on. And that's where I think you also need to consider drawing some lines. I don't think anybody would welcome my holiday pictures being uploaded to LinkedIn when I return. So just a word of caution there, considering drawing a distinction between your work life persona and your social holiday persona. Enjoy the episode, look out for future shows that we're going to re-release over the summer and enjoy the break. Thank you very much. Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the First Intuition podcast. My name is Ben Bullman, tutor and director at FI. I'm running solo this evening because my good friend and colleague Dave can't join us tonight. He is sadly at home in isolation with his family and we wish him all the best. And I know a lot of the live students in the audience this evening have been putting nice comments and wishes for Dave and his family in the chat box. So if you're listening to this, as I'm sure you will be, Dave, when it's released, um, we're thinking of you, mate, and we want you back as soon as you are fit and able to rejoin us. But I have got a special guest with me this evening, so I will introduce him again. If you are a regular listener to the podcast, hopefully you caught his previous episode. If you haven't, it is well worth going back and listening to it now. But I'm going to say good evening to Steve Williams. Good evening, Steve. Good evening, Ben. 
So Steve is uh, uh, now a, a friend of the podcast. We can call you that because we, we, we've had you back. We obviously liked what you said last time. We definitely did. Thank you so much for giving up your time to come and talk to us. We don't pay or, or do any commercial arrangements with our guests. They are all voluntary coming to do this out of the kindness of their heart. Steve, we can now call you maybe our resident cybersecurity expert. Oh, look at this. I've gone from friend of the show to resident. This is the sky's the limit here, Ben. The sky's the limit. So Steve's a director at LNDSR, and you advise businesses in a whole manner and range of cybersecurity thoughts, concepts, ideas, don't you? Sure, that's correct. Yes, we have, uh, we have a range of um, uh, clients from... Um, large um, corporates through to small, medium-sized businesses, um, and also um, some services we have um, will, suit, uh, will suit individuals as well. And last time you were with us, we talked around cybersecurity, around crimes, and particularly looking at, at phishing scams, which were prevalent over the lockdown period and, and are likely to continue, if we're being honest. When we'd finished that episode, Steve said, I'd really like to do something on social media. And I think you listened to a previous episode of the podcast where we were massively endorsing the use of social media to develop careers, build a network and connections. And Steve, you, you said to me, that's a great message, Ben, but just make sure students and people are being careful around the security elements and the potential pitfalls that people can fall into around the use of social media. Yes, there were there were a couple of comments on our previous podcast. I, I, I haven't gone back and listened to it um, preparing for this, unfortunately, but um, it, it tied in with the last um, session that we did, and that was really um, around uh, phishing and the association of you as an employee of your organisation on social media and the amount of information um, which can be um, unwittingly leaked um, or available for people to target you and uh, and then um, put you in the frame for phishing scams. So th this um, uh, session, I think, is a slightly different where we're looking at um, the use of personal social media accounts um, in collaboration with um, uh, employers' opinions and, uh, and how to separate um, work and and your personal um, social media activities. Fantastic, and we'll certainly touch on that later on as we look at the, the blurred line sometimes between your, your personal life on social media and your professional persona and what your employer might might see and think. But, but let's, let's go back and think about crime first of all. Why would a criminal potentially be interested in my or one of our students or listeners' social media accounts? Um, so there's a couple of us. It's a good question. There's a couple of um, reasons. There is no one single reason. Um, I think really to set the frame um, for this is to is to paint a picture of um, the cybercrime um, landscape, if you will. Um, people will often think of um, hackers and uh, attackers and, uh, and assailants as, um, as an individual who is um, tapping away, trying to guess the password for an account of yours or an email account to uh, to try and siphon something off, and that's that's whilst that is is true, but um, the cybercrime landscape is is very much um, an industry. Um, there are different levels, different areas of the industry, 
Um, and to be fair, a lot of, uh, a lot of people don't look at um, this threat this way. Um, so within um, the cybercrime landscape, you will have people um, who fulfill different roles. They have different skill sets. They have different objectives as to what they want to get. Um, not everybody is out to um, guess your Facebook password. Um, and uh, it, it doesn't quite work that way. You'll have some groups which will look to uh, gain data. They will look to get data, um, various different types of data. This could be access to your social media accounts, could be access to um, or, or details of your credit cards. It could be passwords. It could be um, information addresses where you live. You have some people who are, who are data gatherers. You have um, other people who would... Um, then take information like that and either leverage it or sell it um, or, or pass it on to somebody else, another group um, in favor or part exchange for, for other services. You also have other areas of the cybercrime um, landscape which will provide services to other attackers. So if you wanted to um, uh, compromise or, or launch an attack um, across Netflix to look at um, uh, accounts that you've got some uh, details for, you will have some people who will have infrastructure, servers, um, anonymized servers, multiple different routes, and they will provide that, they will rent that out to cyber gangs um, in order to be able to use those services in exchange for um, currency, cryptocurrency, hard currency, or um, other information. So just to, to frame that, there are different components of the industry um, and where you become a victim and your data um, is, is used and gets put into that um, ecosystem and can go through many different hands of people trying to um, earn revenue from gaining the data in the first place, selling that on in, in large bundles, large quantities, um, and push that through. So why would somebody be interested in your social media account? Um, apart from that um, uh, saleable item in the ecosystem, um, you have other areas where you have um, people who will try and get that personal information. You have other areas where people will look to try and um, destroy a brand. Um, so we're looking at your personal social media account, but you can also apply this to your employer's um, Twitter account, their Facebook account, their Instagram account. Um, people can look to take over those accounts and do damage, brand damage to the organization that you work for. They may well um, hold that to ransom or they may well just look to deface that. Um, there are other areas where you can have, um, it's, a, it's a tactic called um, forced shares. Um, so um, if anybody here on the call um, is a Instagram influencer, you are a, you are a accounting um, genius and you have hundreds of thousands or millions of followers, um, a, a breached account in that aspect, um, then they can push out a link to make it look as if it's come from you, an endorsement of another site, um, or to follow this particular account or pay attention to that. That gains a lot of sway before somebody's come back and said, hey, my account was hacked. Um, that's one method. Another method is um, a forced follow. And this is, this is quite interesting and quite unique, a little niche, um, where they will after gaining access to an account, um, they will um, look to follow a particular company or um, a, 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 a Instagram handle, Twitter handle, um, which will look something similar to something that you followed before. Um, and at some point um, they can do many 
things with this. They can either reply to you. You will believe that it's somebody that you have uh, followed before. You can respond to that or they can use that as some form of an endorsement because you and your account has followed it. It's a little bit more niche, um, but there are many different um, angles as to, uh, as to what they can actually do. Wow, there, there is so much there and it almost makes you think as soon as we've left the call, we'll all go and delete all of our social media accounts. But obviously then you've got to balance that with all of the good stuff that it does, connections with friends and family, people that maybe you can't see because they're on the other side of the world or over the last 50 months you couldn't see because we were all locked down in our own, own backyards and we couldn't go and, and see people. The connections it, it's used to find employment or improve your, your professional network. So it's a real balancing act. And I guess like many things in life, it is that sensible use of social media and doing a few maybe simple things that just substantially reduce the risks of, of using it. That, that's, that's true. Um, some of the issues we, we, we see, and um, we can, I suppose, round this all up in, in that particular response for this, is um, how people have used um, social media accounts, um, the things that they have posted in the past, um, and how this reflects back on their employer. Um, there, is a, there is a fine line between um, having a personal account and having nothing to do with your employer and being seen as a visible um, employee of a company and people then would say, this is the caliber of person your company and your employer um, employs. And we can then deduce that the behavior of that person on their personal um, social media accounts in some way reflects on their employer. Um, yes, in, in, uh, in an ideal world, we would like to say that these things are, are, are poles apart, but um, depending on your position within a company and depending on who the company is, um, rightly or wrongly, people can deduce um, uh, these things. So it's um, what you post and what you have posted, um, if somebody is willing to go through and, and dig up that history and then make a very tenuous connection between you and an employer, it can become um, uh, uncomfortable. Um, but there are ways of uh, making sure that there is a, some form of separation and, and a break um, uh, between those two. Um, we can look at um, Instagram and Facebook are, are two uh, channels which have some ability for you to be able to do this. Um, Twitter is a little binaural uh, where you can hide your tweets um, and then you have to approve somebody to, to, to view those or they're public. That's, that's really all you've got um, as, far as, as far as Twitter goes. Instagram does have a feature where you can have um, a, a close list. Um, so close friends, they're the only ones who will see um, uh, the, 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 the posts that you actually put out to that particular list and everything else is, is going to be um, public. Um, so you can look to move things in that way to, to differentiate things that you want your employer to see and other things that friends um, would like to see. Facebook has, um, strangely enough, a bit, probably the most granularity um, with this. If anybody still uses Facebook, I know it's the, the domain for, for, for balding middle-aged men, I think, that at this point, that's Facebook. But um, if, you are, if you're a Facebook user, um, certainly the one thing that I do advocate and I, I, I tell everybody who will listen and a few people who won't, that groups is your friend um, on Facebook. So um, you may want to create 
three groups um, on Facebook. You may want to have um, work, friends, and family. And once you've created those three groups, um, you go through your friends and you shuffle everybody into a particular bucket. Um, and then that way you can make certain posts um, and then attribute that purely for work. Your work colleagues um, who you've connected with on Facebook will see that post. You can send other posts um, out to family, family meetings or flyers for, for get togethers and things like that. That will go out to family. Your work colleagues and your other friends will not see that post. It will just go purely to that particular group. And likewise for friends, um, for anything uh, joking that you think is not really on a, a professional um, here that you would want your, your work colleagues to see. Um, and you have the ability, when you make a post, you have a drop down box and you can select who you want to see this. Um, you can select your groups, you can have everyone, you can make it public. Um, so this will go to everybody outside of your friends, uh, friends group. So it's strangely enough for all of the, the, the press that Facebook gets, um, they, they have one of the more granular um, uh, frameworks to be able to divide and separate up um, different areas of your life by using groups. That's my, my, main, uh, my main takeaway for, um, that I would tell a lot of people on the, on the point of this question. So let, let's break it down into some more practical steps people can take. And I guess the first one is the sorts of information that you are giving out to anyone potentially that can access your social media account. So I will see from time to time friends and connections I'm with. And, and I, I still use Facebook, but I'm probably in the demographic that you refer to earlier that will still be using Facebook. But I guess these things exist on, on Instagram and other platforms as well. I'll see, see friends following some kind of post around trying to gather information, I presume, uh, or, uh, branded as maybe a mini quiz, but actually it's putting information out there. What's your favourite film? What, what was your school or something? Are those there for fun or are they there to kind of target? Because I think, well, actually, that's interesting because that was the, the backup question I just gave to a password in case I ever lost it. Um, very rarely for fun. Um, uh, I can think of funnier questionnaires um, to put that <laughs> rather than asking um, people the, the, the types of question that you would have in security questions. Um, yes, they're, they're very rarely for fun, but it does highlight a point, and I had this conversation um, with, a, uh, with a family member um, actually over the weekend. Um, and it was some guidance for answering security questions. So this, this applies for Facebook, this applies for your bank, um, applies for your electricity company, your phone company, um, where they have a challenge response. They have these set questions. What's your mother's maiden name? What's the name of your first pet? Which city were you born in? Um, and they are looking for an answer. What we instinctively do when we see these questions is we want to answer them honestly because that's how you're going to remember. Somebody asks you, what's your mother's maiden name? You immediately think your mother's maiden name. That's the answer you gave. But what the company is really trying to do is they are looking um, to get a memorable word that you know in order to prove your identity. Um, so the conversation I had with a, with a family member is... Um, you answer the questions, but you do not answer the questions with the most um, um, intuitive answer. So um, you can say, uh, what's your mother's maiden name? And you can say television. Um, you can say, which um, city were you born in? And you could say green grass. Um, what's the name of your first pet? 
um, uh, one, two, three, eight, nine. And you can give a different answer. As long as you remember what those answers are, you can then respond to the challenge um, response, but you're not giving away any personal data, which could be gleaned by looking at your social media profiles, your date of birth, your star sign or anything like that. That's, that's a really interesting thought process to kind of double bluff the question, because you're right. The natural reaction is, oh, I'll remember that one. That's the one I'll pick. But actually, that's probably the one that more people would be aware of. And you're more likely to have on display somewhere else. Absolutely. So following on that theme, is there anything else that you see on people's social media profiles that you think, oh, why have they put that on their profile for the world to see any other information that we should be careful of, of guarding? Oh, Ben, there is a, there is a ton. Um, I, I think uh, some of the some of the more some of the the stranger things that there's a lot of things which fall under common sense. Um, and there are some things which were all the best will in the world. People just didn't even think that people would be using that kind of information. Um, there, especially on Instagram, uh, there is a wealth of information that people will get from pictures, from images um, that you'll post. This could be selfies, this could be pictures with friends, family, and it's often things that are in the background. Um, all things that you've actually taken a picture of. Um, I have seen um, people getting their driving license through um, happily that they've actually passed the test. They've got this great, they've taken a picture of their driving license and that's that gone. So you've got your um, profile picture out there, you've got your date of birth, you've got your address on there, you've even got your driving license number. Um, so um, that's a very big no-no. Um, we've seen holiday tickets, we have seen plane tickets. Um, the, the situation that happened at Wembley on Sunday where um, there were people who were already in seats when people had paid a lot of money to get through. Um, this is before they've actually stormed the turnstiles. Um, we believe that in some of those situations, and it's a very old, very old hack um, that I really haven't seen appear in, in great detail for, for many, probably over, over 10 years, where people were going on holiday, um, very excited that they were uh, finally heading off to um, wherever they're going, Tenerife, Magaluf, Ibiza. Um, can't wait for it. Take a picture of the plane tickets. We're now off. That's absolutely great. Um, where scammers will replicate the tickets, they will duplicate barcodes, they will get the information, they'll get the booking number um, and the flight number, your name as it is on the ticket, um, and either replicate the tickets and or um, be able to contact the travel agent, the booking agent, then um, uh, amend that booking uh, to some degree and transfer that over to um, a different name, different person. Um, and before you know it, your all-inclusive holiday um, has gone. You get to the airport and you'll not be able to use your tickets. We've seen things like this. So it's the more counterintuitive things that people might not think about when you're taking pictures. If you're taking um, selfie pictures, it's everything that's in the background. If you've got a certificate, an award with your real name on it posted behind in the mirror, um, we've seen that. Um, or even um, as some of your students may well actually see with certificates, they'll take a picture of that. I've passed a lot of great hard work and they want to share that. Um, some of these certificates and, uh, and awards that you actually have will often have a full name on there and they have some other valuable information. It's the things that you post which have um, uh, information in the background or not quite obvious from the first, uh, first sight. Um, uh, yeah, you've got a new car, registration numbers, you take a picture outside your house, you've got the house number behind you in the picture. 
it's all of those things which is data that you're unwittingly giving away. And I, I suppose the people looking at it have got time to deep dive and, and really join up some of those dots that, that you think, well, actually, that connected to that is not going to be followed through, but, but they've got plenty of time to do that. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's now explore the link back to work a bit more, because I think it's a, a really important one. And obviously something that's very, very topical at the moment. We, we, we couldn't preempt the horrible situations that we've seen following the football match and the England game on, on Sunday with the, the social media abuse of the, the players and racist abuse, which is abhorrent and, and really needs to be clamped down. But um, let's go back to thinking about work. Let's ask a simple question first. Do you think it's a good idea to mention your employer on your social media page? Because a lot of students would say, well, my employer's got a social media page, so surely they want social media interaction. Should we be naming the businesses that we work for? Uh, yeah, absolutely. There, there's, there, there is a balance, um, I think, as you'd mentioned before. Um, there are... Uh, there are risks in, in, in everything that we do and social media is, is, is no different. Um, to mention where you work um, is, a, is, a, is a personal choice, whether you, whether you want to do that. If you're proud of the employer you work for, they do um, good work and you're, you're proud to be associated with those, then absolutely, this is, um, this, this is great stuff. Um, it becomes a little bit contentious where your views and what you, how you use social media, whether your employer um, has that kind of um, uh, overview and has the same line of thinking as yourself. So uh, where you touched on the, the situation at the weekend where um, there was a lot of abuse um, hurled at um, players and, and generally everybody um, around from the England team. Um, some people, um, for, for whatever their mindset was to, to, to post things like that, um, then thought that it was um, perfectly okay and great to do that from their own personal social media accounts. Um, yeah, it, that's immediately going to get traced back to you. Um, and, uh, um, and your employer will see that if you, if you have the situation, um, as I just mentioned, I can see there in the chat, yes, the, 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 a few weeks back, um, Chris Whitty, the, um, the government health minister, was, uh, was, was harassed in the park. Um, and the two guys that did that thought that well, that was a smart idea to, to post that um, on some social media channels um, uh, with their faces in there as well. Um, one of them was an estate agent um, for a few more days after that was actually posted. And uh, um, his employer uh, immediately um, distanced themselves and, and said, this is not the behavior that we want to be associated with or anybody working with us. Um, this, is, this is not our thing um, and um, dismissed him um, for, for gross misconduct. We've seen, um, again, with the connections over the weekend and the, uh, and the racist abuse that Savills um, has uh, taken immediate action um, for um, launching investigations for people in their employ um, who were in their employ, um, who were wrapped up inside that. So the, the mixture of um, uh, mentioning your, your, um, your, your company, your employer, absolutely so. But um, there is a responsibility to um, just be good people, I suppose, on the internet um, and how that's going to reflect on your, your employer um, as well as to whether there is anything, not just necessarily what you do post, but things historically that you may well have done if you have a social media account for 
five, six years and uh, your first couple of tweets or pictures were things that you probably wouldn't post now. Um, if you haven't gone back, cleanse that account um, or uh, they are there to see. Um, and some people can draw a conclusion between what you have done in the past, rightly or wrongly, um, and conclude that's the kind of person you are now. Um, so it's not just what you do say now, what you have posted in the past can um, have long-term repercussions. Yes. And, and, and that's a, a slightly different angle, but we were chatting before we came on air tonight about employers and, and your feeling was there's now going to be more of a, a pressure or a requirement that employers will want to do some social media screening on potential staff? It, it was. It, um, when, when Ben had, had reached out um, uh, to me to, to follow up this, um, this other podcast and this other session, um, we, we couldn't have foreseen what was about to happen in the following few days um, from that. And just before this started, we were, we were talking about um, that um, uh, occurrence and, uh, and, and work. Um, my, uh, my organization does have a service which provides um, a, a vetting and a, and a scan for social media accounts. Um, this is not for this particular purpose in mind um, that we were looking at, but it was more an executive search um, to look back at their social media footprints um, to see if their thoughts align, whether they were uh, sympathetic to particular employers, particular government uh, positions that might not align um, with, a, with an organization. But it goes back through um, the, the trail of their social media accounts um, and gives that person, uh, gives the company an idea of who this person is. Um, alternatively, um, and also we also offer that service um, to sporting organizations and to individuals, not necessarily just um, sportsmen or high profile people, to do that themselves. So they will say, um, okay, I'm now looking to branch out in a particularly different way or um, I'm you know, looking for a transfer or even football clubs are, are looking to make sure that their, their staff um, have, a, have a clean bill of health. To go back through those, um, look and identify um, things which um, they may have done and said in the past, which um, no longer applies to the, the people they are today um, and brings that up before it gets presented in a, um, a, a more unfortunate manner um, where they hadn't thought about their, their previous actions and, and thoughts. Um, that, that is a service that we offer and it's uh, not to not the pump the service here, but yes, um, more forward thinking organizations and individuals, depending on um, who you are and your, your status and your work career, if you're looking to take that next step to put yourself out to um, non-executive board directors to be directorships um, to, to be that candidate for the next step up um, and I, I think this will apply for everybody here um, on, on this call these the, the students is that um, when you're looking to make that next step um, you, you just need to make sure that you're fitting the bill and ticking the boxes for every position that you're going to apply for um, this may seem slightly irrelevant now but um, uh, it, it's certainly in the future having that um, clean bill of health, that, 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 uh, that double check on your profiles and what you have and what you haven't said um, uh, can get you a long way and it could certainly stop you very quickly from going further. Steve, I think that's a really important message, knowing how much time, dedication, energy our students put into passing exams to hopefully develop their future careers. 
it would be horrible if all of that is undermined by things that are being done now on social media that could come back to haunt you in another two, three, five, ten years when you're you're looking for a step up to those those senior management board level positions. So I think we all need to be very careful and think about it as potentially a problem for the future that can be caused today. So I, I think it's a really important message, Steve. Yeah, absolutely. Let's just think about work and time on social media, I suppose. Um, what's your thoughts on using work devices, maybe devices that are shared with other people? I'm also thinking back, and, and I don't know now whether many students have been doing this in the, the, the pandemic, but it might come back to the time that we're going back into, I don't know, public libraries and you just access a computer to, to check your social media account. I know most of us have got smartphone enabled devices now that, that can access them. What, what are some of the risks of accessing personal social media on a device that's not your own? It's an absolute no. Absolute no. Um, you can see this um, maybe less now, but you, you can see if you just walk through any Apple store um, and you see that people have logged into um, a social media account to post something from a, from a display uh, MacBook um, in, a, in a store, or as you say, libraries, um, airports less so, but when you're using a public computer, you are entering in your credentials. And even if you do log out, um, you have no way of knowing the integrity of that particular machine, whether that has been compromised, there are any key loggers on there. Um, I, it's something that you most certainly wouldn't, um, wouldn't do. It, you don't necessarily need to be paranoid to be thinking along like this, but um, yes, in public areas, you, you absolutely do not put any um, account details into any machine that you do not own and you don't know um, that the, uh, the origins of who owns it, where it's been, um, and where it's going to go to. On work machines, um, it's, it's a slightly different angle um, from this. So you may well note that uh, some employees, or sorry, some employers will have um, security policies, acceptable use policies, um, where it's okay to use the, the, um, your laptop for um, internet browsing um, for either certain periods of time or they, they will allow you to do that. Um, there will be some acceptable use policies. Um, they may even have content um, firewalls, content filters in place if you're going for a VPN to prevent you from going to um, particularly unsavory sites or other things which just don't fit with the work profile. So this could be uh, Ladbrokes, Coral, any betting sites, um, anything like that, um, TV streaming, they may well block. Um, and while you might be able to get through to Facebook accounts um, and, and social media accounts in general, um, it's entirely feasible that your employer would be um, looking at usage um, over the internet connection. And if they, if they do see that for um, the, uh, the, the eight hours that you're actually working, that you are actually um, uh, constantly um, pinging out to the Facebook site for, uh, for six of those, um, you could end up having a, having a question to answer. So um, it's most certainly um, uh, something that I would be mindful of really just from a perspective of um, we can all multitask, but um, um, bosses would prefer you be doing uh, uh, more than one task for them rather than doing one task for you and one for another. So um, that is from a work perspective, I would most certainly say that that's, that's probably a more key aspect 
but certainly if it's not your own uh, laptop to log into something, um, and even if the credentials are stored on there, that's, a, that's an even worse day um, that you're likely to have. The other thing that springs to my mind, Steve, I would imagine most of the, the listeners and me access our social media platforms on our mobile phones because they're with us, it's easy. But then I look at my daughters. I, I, I don't do this as regularly now because I'm not so precious, but my daughters are all about getting the latest iPhone model and upgrading and my wife upgrades and she will pass her phone on to one of the girls. But I'm also conscious that you can go online and maybe sell your used phone. You can trade it in. You can go to the, the, the sites that, that buy them. What are some of the risks there? And have you got any recommendations for what people should be doing if they are going to give up their previous device to somebody else? Yes, absolutely. The, the situations where you're looking, okay, so take a, a couple of steps back there. One of the things that you really should be mindful of when you're uh, not just for social media, but that's, that's a more an acute point um, where you have, um, social media accounts, you have information, you have contact information for your friends and family on your phone, um, is to be able to apply security updates and uh, update the apps, apply patches um, to that. It, it sounds the boring thing to do, but that's really the, the key part for trying to make sure that you keep your mobile device um, safe. This could be um, your, your personal phone, could be a tablet, could be a laptop. Um, where we have some situations um, where phones have a certain lifespan and uh, the, the manufacturer, the vendor, be it Apple, be it Samsung, um, Huawei, um, or anybody who, they would support a phone for a certain period of time. After that, um, they will stop providing updates and they'll stop providing security updates for it. Now, Samsung, I believe, have now extended this to three years that they support models for. Previously, they made an announcement that it was only gonna be two years. Um, and the implications of that is where you don't get security updates for your phone, that leaves vulnerabilities um, on your phone. And this could be compromised um, by malicious apps if they are downloaded. Um, these are more prevalent in the Google Play Store for Android devices than they are for um, iPhone apps. But iPhone apps, are, uh, the iPhones are not um, completely exempt from any malware at all. Um, they, they're very strict, but they're not completely 100%. So if you have a situation where you're compromised and you've got an older phone, you've not applied the patches to that, um, you're, you're leaving more vulnerabilities on that phone. Um, and that could compromise the data and the accounts that you have uh, whilst you're on there. So it's mindful, uh, it's best to be mindful to um, try and ensure that if you have a good mobile phone deal, you can upgrade your phone um, in line with your, your, you know, your, your monthly payments or whatever, every year, every two years, whatever that is, is to do that to make sure that you have a device which can receive security updates. Um, I think the, the point you mentioned there before, Ben, was, was reselling phones. Um, when you do that, if, if you do, um, it's always advised to uh, remove the, the memory cards if you have those in um, your phone because that is more likely where your um, backups are going to be taken or put to your contacts, yours and media, um, but to do a factory wipe um, of the phone and that will restore it back through to the status it was uh, when it came out of the box. Granted, a little grubby, a few more fingerprints on it and a few more dents, but the actual operating system will be back to as it was when it came out of the factory. And this means that it will wipe 
uh, all of the apps that you have on the phone. It will wipe um, the access to sites that you've been to, your cache, your history, um, cookies that are on there, and also the account detail you use to actually enter those apps. Um, we have seen um, phones which haven't been wiped. Some vendors, um, computer exchange, wipe them before they sell them on um, to other people, but um, you're now leaving um, the account details and access to your account in the hands of the person that you've actually sold it to. So if you sell it on eBay or anything like that, really make sure that you wipe the device before you resell that on, just to make sure that you've cleared all of the account details um, that you had on there before. Thanks, Steve. I'm going to put you on the spot now because we've got a question in the chat box that I'll pose to you about the use of public or, or work shared access Wi-Fi. So when we're out and about, we could log into Wi-Fi in a, a coffee shop, in a bar, um, in a shared services building. What are some of the issues there with people being able to access data through a shared Wi-Fi connection? Uh, okay, so there's there's a couple of different problem well a couple of different issues with with either uh, one of those um, public wi-fi networks you really should avoid those wherever possible um, and use your phone's data connection um, if you need to uh, connect to any service so you see this in shopping centers you go in or a shop they offer you free wi-fi and you instinctively want to connect to that um, you don't know um, who is behind those Wi-Fi networks. You don't even know if they are legitimate Wi-Fi networks um, for the shop and or the shopping center. Um, so somebody could set up a hotspot pretending to be the shopping center um, to capture data uh, that goes through those. Um, I, I gave a, 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 um, a, a presentation, a talk through to um, a police force in a, in a Caribbean country before um, where they had no idea that something like this was possible. Um, and I had actually set up a hotspot in the back of the room um, and uh, they, they finally cottoned on through part of that talk that I was giving to them that while they were all a little bit bored of that because cybersecurity wasn't their thing, it was a hot day and they just wanted to get out and do something that they had connected to the hotspot which I'd set up um, and had been on Facebook and uh, had been on Twitter. And I was able to present them with the data that they actually had past while they've been sat there in the room. Um, you don't know who owns um, a public Wi-Fi network. If you must, if you absolutely must, um, in need of an emergency, use a public Wi-Fi, um, it's absolutely man a compulsory idea, I would say, um, to use a VPN if you do need to connect to a public uh, network. And what a VPN will do is it will essentially um, hide the traffic between your phone and your destination um, service website. If you need to open up online banking for something, you're in a store, you suddenly need to change money from one account to another. Um, do not use a public Wi-Fi network to connect to in order to do that. Banking apps do have elements of security in there, but whenever you connect to a public Wi-Fi network, as we mentioned before, if you have a phone with um, fewer security updates, you haven't updated those, when you make a connection from your phone to the public Wi-Fi network, even before you've established a VPN connection to hide your data, your phone is still physically connected to that network, which means if um, it had been set up by somebody malicious or if a hacker or somebody just very curious who was uh, malicious was on the same network, will see your device and then be able to probe and try and take advantage of the vulnerabilities on your phone 
while you're connected to it. Um, so absolutely use your, um, your, your phone vendors, um, your, your Vodafone, your O2's um, data connection um, uh, rather than a public um, hotspot. Now at work, um, it, again, this depends on um, the usage policies that you would have. If you are allowed to use the work Wi-Fi, if they set up a Wi-Fi connection for employees, to say, well, use the work Wi-Fi instead of using the corporate internet on your laptop to go out to, to use Facebook. Um, absolutely fine if that's in accordance to the policies. But again, in that situation, I would always use a VPN. Um, always use a VPN to try and hide your traffic from whichever application or service that you're going to go to from anybody else apart from you and the destination service. It, it, um, it cuts down on a, a whole load of variables and, uh, and middlemen in that situation. Brilliant. And uh, another question from me around passwords. I, I'm conscious as I'm, as I'm about to say this, I don't think I've ever changed the password on my Facebook account, which must now be 10 years old at least. That's um, good to know. Thank is, you. Is, is, is not good practice, I guess. <laughs> Are there any tips for listeners around passwords and, and what they should be using or not doing with their passwords um yes it's it is easier said than done um that you you should change your passwords um there's been a shift in thinking um because we're able to create more complex passwords one of the things i would suggest um is to get yourself a password manager um on your phone your laptop um, what a password manager will do is it will store your account details for your uh, Facebook, for your Twitter, for Sainsbury's, for Tesco's, for Netflix, um, for, for anything. And it will store it securely in an encrypted enclave on your device. Um, and what that allows you to do is you can then use that password manager when you go to uh, Facebook, for example, it will prompt you for your username and password the password manager will intervene and say, I've got a record for you here for Facebook. Um, I can then put in your username and your password. It will automatically fill it in for you. You don't have to type it. You press login and you go. This means that you're able to put in incredibly long, complex passwords that you would never remember. And you can put that into your password manager. And that will then push that into the uh, credentials box for you when you go into that service. So it takes that step away of having to remember the complex password that you need to create. Um, so um, this, is, this is a very good way um, of having that and taking that um, aspect away um, from you. So I just see there's another question there. Is it difficult for hackers to hack into the password manager? Um, it's not impossible, um, but there is a lot more um, engineering involved to do something like that. There are different types of password managers, um, some which exist purely on the phone, other ones which have a web interface um, where an attacker could want to attack that part to get access to your data rather than your phone. Um, but yes, certainly the password manager, um, it alleviates far more problems than it actually presents. Um, uh, oof, a recommendation. Um, I, people do steer clear of making recommendations, but um, in all fairness, if you, you, you won't go far wrong if you were to look for some of the leading names and password managers, 
And it, then it comes down to a preference of how you like the look and feel, how it works for you as to which one you want to choose. Um, you can look for uh, LastPass, uh, you can look for OnePassword, you can look for Dashlane, um, uh, some of those, um, the, the leading brands um, will, will do you um, a better service um, uh, than, than not having one at all. Um, there is an interesting, uh, I'll, I'll put this one out, there is one which is, which is free, um, some of them do have limitations, but free is, is Buttercup, and I believe that, that works on Androids and um, iOS uh, phones. That's something that you may want to take a look at um, and uh, see which one works for you. Steve, thank you so much. We're getting towards the end of this evening session. It has been very, very informative. As last time, very, very practical in your advice and stuff that, that's grounded at, at real life issues that, that we're all facing. Um, I know the students, and I can see in the chat box now, lots of people saying thank you for giving up your time and coming to speak to us. We will certainly think of an idea to get you back again to be the, the first ever third repeat guest for the first intuition podcast that would be fantastic enjoy the rest of your summer steve i will certainly try to yes well i hope you enjoyed that episode myself and dave are going to be back with some live forums we're scheduling them to start back up on the 7th of september so look out for emails coming out with how to register for them in the meantime, we will be releasing further back episodes throughout the summer. Thank you very much.